0: Good morning. morning. Welcome. Um, For those of you who might not know me, uh, I'd say you're welcome. And uh, for those that do know me, I apologize. I'll try to do better, but no guarantees. Um, It's a little loud. Uh, Thank you. Um, So I I was thinking uh, this week about plans, and we make plans and uh, there's a quote you've probably heard often: "The best laid plans of mice and men oft times go awry, awry." And I never, I don't understand the, the mice portion of that, but I understand the other part. You know, we make plans, and things don't always go the way we plan. Um, and you know, plans are good. We need to make plans. You know, the Bible says in James, and I'm just going to read what it says because I, I won't remember. But it says in James. Um, 4.13, 4, 3, 4, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, well, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so, like I said, we have to make plans. Um, you know, my plan was sit over there, and Rich's plan was to be up here. And that changed. Um, but plans are good. We have to make plans. But I think what it meant in James is to just make sure God is, is in front of your plans, mm-hmm. not in back. And when things change, we have to adjust and, and change. So we're changing. And so, but um, I, I just want to say one thing about about Rich, if I could. Um, Annie and I have been coming here for about 24 years, and we've been able to be up close with Rich and Paula and and see how ministry works and how they adjust and and minister. And, you know, ministry is not easy because you're dealing with sheep, and you have hundreds of sheep, and each one wants your attention and if you don't meet their needs, they get discouraged. And sometimes they leave. And, you know, Rich is a sinner who needed Jesus. He makes mistakes. But one thing I can tell you, he's faithful. He's been faithful for for 24 years. And we're fortunate for him and Paula. So, like I said, they make mistakes. But they're faithful in serving God and ministering to the family of God. And I want to make sure I say that. Um, but... Of course, if we think about, you know, I get the question at home, you know, we're going to speak about, is the God, Jesus, of the Bible? That's really the topic, right? And it's about Jesus. always about Jesus, you know. Back in 2004, there was a movie, although I'm not sure I'd call it a movie, but it was called The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. And I remember when a bunch of us from Calvary went up to the showcase to watch that together, now, I don't like going to the movies because I can't watch something if people are staring or if they're talking, you know, I just can't. It drives me nuts. So we went to the movies and there was a bunch of us and there maybe a hundred or so plus in this little movie theater, you know, not much bigger than this. It was a two hour movie, and I can tell you for two hours nobody moved. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody could hardly breathe. And when it was over, we had no breath, we could not speak. It was just it was just so overwhelming to have even a glimpse of what Jesus did for us. And I, have, I believe that that movie, as hard as it is to watch, was not close to what Jesus really went through, what he did for us. And so I, ha- I hadn't been able to even watch it. I bought the CD shortly after the DVD, but I wasn't able to watch it. But I wanted to watch it this last Easter. And it's hard to watch, you know. Uh, Jesus did that because he loves us, you know. And so it's always about Jesus. And so, also, a, because we eat Easter, we always watch the Ten Commandments. And there are, t- there are two parts of that movie that I really love. When, when Moses asked God, who, who shall I say is sending me? And he says, I am that I am. That just, that's, that's all you can say about God. He is who he is. And there was one other part that it, it really wasn't scriptural, but I like the part, I don't believe it was a verse in the scripture, but it was when Pharaoh was defeated at, at the river and he came back to his palace and he sat down in his throne and somebody was making a comment to him and he said, his God is God. And that just that's true. There are so many gods, little g's in the world, but there's only one God. And so I didn't have much time to prepare, which I don't know if that's an excuse or not, but I'm going to use it. Uh, <laughs> but... One thing I've noticed whenever I've read through the book of Hebrews, I always underline certain (coughs) verses. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to look at selected verses in Hebrews. There's no particular point I'm trying to make other than it's all about Jesus. And so uh, if you want to turn to Hebrews, we'll see what happens. From the time of Adam to... Moses. it was approximately 2,500 years. From Moses to Malachi, it was about 1,100 years. And during that time, God spoke to the people. It was a different dispensation. God spoke to the people through many different means, mostly prophets, but he also used uh, other means. So for 3,600 years, God spoke in many different ways. And then there were 400 years of silence. And can you imagine what that must have been like? Now, the Jews never really paid much attention to the prophets when they did speak. They usually ignored them in their warnings. But nonetheless, now 400 years, you have a period of time where God was silent. And I'm sure they had to, uh, the nation of Israel, which was waiting for the Messiah, had to wonder, where is God and what's going on? As I said, God had been speaking through, through prophets. He spoke through the law of God. Institutions, a lot of the ceremonies spoke through kings. But now in these last days, he is going to speak through Jesus. The new covenant, the new advent. And we must listen to what Jesus says. So in Hebrews starting in verse 1. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being Sustaining all things by his powerful word, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. In the Old Testament, Jesus came as, he appeared as an apparition, I don't know if that's the right word, he came as the angel, the angel of the Lord, or, or as I said, he would speak through the prophets. But now we have Jesus, uh, visiting us, coming down uh, to earth, becoming a baby, being born as a baby, becoming a man, growing up, having a ministry, becoming a high priest. And the last revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, is superior to the Old Testament dispensation. It doesn't do away with the Old Testament. There's a saying, the, um, the New Testament is, the, is in the Old Contained. So in other words, you can, you can learn about the Old Testament as, as a lot of the Jews, they didn't understand what the New Testament would be, but as they studied the Lord, as we can look back, the, the New Testament is in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is in the New Explained. So there are a lot of things that we get to understand that the Jews uh, couldn't quite understand because they were, looking, uh, they were looking for a prophecy yet to come far off in the distance. And as I said, as Jesus is speaking... Uh, We have to give an answer. We have to listen, and we have to respond. Um, We must not uh, drift away or neglect uh, our salvation. Uh, Journey to uh, chapter 2. As I said, I'm just hitting highlights, not... uh, Chapter two, it says, uh, verses one through four. It says we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. You know, we we as Christians, when we come to Jesus, and we have a different response. Each one of us has a different response. Sometimes it's this 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 miraculous changing, and and it's just we change inside, and we're. On fire for the Lord, and we're, we want, we're energetic and, and wanting to serve. Others, sometimes it's a little more subtle, it takes a little time, but sometimes over a period of time, what happens is it, it's, like, it's like a boat without an anchor. It, it, we, we start to drift because the world of the current and the tides of the world, it, it wants to take us where it wants to go. And if we don't keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, uh, we lose our way, and, and the currents take us away. So we must, we must pay attention daily uh, to uh, our, our walk with Christ. Uh, as I said, it, the Mosaic law, when we read the law, well, how difficult was that? How many? I forget how. It's over 600 laws. It, it, it guided everything they did. Physically, mentally, spiritually, do you know? Do this this way. Eat your food this way. Wash your food this way. Uh, it, it was incredible. They had dealt with sicknesses and how you had to be clean. It was just went on and on and on and on and on. And we don't have to. That was to protect them, and keep them from falling away and falling into the false uh, gods and the false religions. It, it, I'm sure it's felt burdensome, but we have a freedom from Jesus. We're not under the law now we need to pay attention to it but we're not guided by the strict uh, adherence to, to, the, to that mosaic law we're free to eat you know what we want we can cook it how we want and, and Jesus has cleansed us so that we can enter in to his holy of holies uh, uh, but uh, if we don't pay daily attention then that drifting it comes very quickly and we can find ourselves being cold uh, in verse 9, it says, uh, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. As I said, in the Old Testament, God appeared in different ways. He would appear through messages to the prophets, but there were times when the angel of the Lord would visit personally to someone and uh That was how he he spoke to the people. But now we have Jesus uh, walking on earth. We didn't get to see him, but those that walked with him back in those days uh, were walking and seeing him and hearing him and and seeing the evidence of what he did. And that evidence was written down uh, for for people to study and read and to prove uh, what is right. In Proverbs Proverbs 16, 25, it says, There is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, what did he say about judgment in the past? He said when he looked down on earth, uh, he saw that man's heart was only evil continually, doing what was right in his mind. We can justify anything we do if we compare ourselves to the newspaper, to the world. The world is so far gone... That we look, we can look pretty good at any stage that the world presents to us, but what are we comparing it to? I, I said in Proverbs sixteen twenty five, man, we declare that we're good, that we're we're, we're not bad. We the, here's the things we haven't done that makes us good. We haven't done this, haven't killed anybody, haven't robbed banks. That makes us good, okay. But who, which which way is the way that is right that we compare ourselves to? It's it's to Jesus. In, uh, as I said, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. When he came, he was subject, he subjected himself, he lowered himself, he humbled himself to come as a man in allowing his very creation to abuse him and treat him because he was humbling himself in that way. So we need to see Jesus, we can't see him physically as they did, but we need to see him in the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit and in our hearts. Uh, moving to uh, uh, verse 14. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery sla- slavery by the fear of death. Why would Jesus himself through that as I said when, we, when you watch just a reenactment I mean when we read the story in, in Isaiah that says he was not even recognizable and, we, and as I said if you watch a, a reenactment and I, I don't even want to call it that it's, it's horrifying to watch what, what, what one man could do to another man for, for no reason I mean there was really there really was no reason and, and we we know that it was Satan who really was inspiring these people. He he wanted to kill Jesus. He felt if he killed Jesus, he would be victorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to see the, the horrifying things that Jesus went through, at any time, if he had if he had allowed, the angels would have come and destroyed his enemies. He himself could have destroyed them. Uh, but he humbled himself. It says he felt he he had compassion. He had empathy with us. He wanted to feel everything. We felt every sadness, every fear, every hurt, every physical hurt, every emotional hurt. You know, I think about when uh, the story of Lazarus, when uh, you know, they had told him that Lazarus was dying, would he come? And he actually, he delayed on purpose. There was a reason for that. I'm not going to get into that. But when he came and he saw the sadness of people crying, their hearts were broken. He, it says Jesus wept. Now, he knew that in a few minutes he was going to raise them from there, but he was moved by compassion because he had sympathy and empathy for those that were hurting. And that's how, we, that's how he, he wanted to learn. He wanted to learn firsthand how, how to know how we feel. So his incarnation was uh, to, to prove himself and to prove his love. Uh, now, the Jews rejected him. We know uh, the triumphal entry, you know the story, you know, uh, because they were looking for a conquering king. They weren't looking for a baby or a man that was, was able to be beaten and, and whipped. They were looking for a conquering king to come in and rescue him. So they were deceived, and they refused to see Jesus, who he was. So we need to see uh, Jesus as he is. Um, in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 7. It says so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways, so I declared an oath, on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And so, now this obviously was, a, uh, the Hebrews is a message directly uh, getting back to how the Jews, when they were wandering, rejected every evidence that God, as he was proving to them, he was going to deliver them. But he's saying, this Hebrews is today, says to us, don't harden our hearts, because our hearts are where." Uh, we, we we open up and allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to come in. That's where we learn about Jesus. You know, where is our heart? I don't. I don't it's not an actual organ that I. You know, our heart is just us uh, opening up and saying yes to Jesus. Don't harden your hearts. In in Psalm ninety five, it talks about hardening hearts and it, it ends up rejecting God forever and everything that He says and that He does. In verse uh, 12, it says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first, as has just been said. As I said, if we, even as Christians... The world wants to tempt us, has so many wonderful things for us to enjoy, and we can if we test those things by the scripture. Uh, But we also, when our hearts get hardened, we can justify everything we do. As we said, we look to somebody more wicked and evil than us and declare, well, because we're not that, we're good. So we can justify. I did that. it's okay that I did that because it doesn't really matter. We have all sense of ways where we can fool ourselves and talk ourselves into being able to do things that aren't right. but the Holy Spirit says uh, don't have a sinful unbelieving heart. What, what is it what does Jesus say? What does the word say? How does that how does how, do, how does our God conscious feel uh, and, and are we obeying God's word and, and changing our course to get back on uh, with God, or God, or are we falling away from Him and giving ourselves permission to do that? Encourage each other daily. Uh, well, one of the one of the reasons we come to church, you know, why come to church? I can worship God at home. Sure, you know, I can worship God out in nature. Sure, uh, you can, but. God says, yeah, those things are good. We can do that, sure. But we need to encourage each other daily. How can we do that if we're not fellowshipping together? We need to encourage each other. One day your brother is down and you're up. Next day you're down and your brother is up. Amen. We need to we need to lift each other up. We have a, We have a brother in the hospital now. We need to lift him up in prayer. If we all pray, we can lift him up. We can't. We're not doctors; we can't go there and help them, but we can pray. We can lift each other up in prayer, <laughs> encourage each other, and we can do that meeting collectively, or during the week, or or outside in fellowship. There, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Uh, chapter four, verse nine it says, "The remains then a Sabbath rest." For the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest, also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Now, we know the story of creation. God created in six days. and the seventh day, God rested. Now, why did God have to rest? Well, he he was bringing into his word, into his creation, a principle of rest. And it was important because that was going to be part of the Mosaic Law, And then it was going to be a principle for us to understand in the New Covenant. Now we know that in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic or in Leviticus, it talked about Sabbath. There's the weekly Sabbath where you have to rest. And then there was the yearly Sabbath. And there was the Sabbath rest for years. And you remember the story. uh, God said you can work the land for six years but on the seventh you need to let it rest. Now, why? Well, because he was teaching them about faith. Mm-hmm. You have to trust me. And in the sixth year, God would provide all that they needed, just as he did remember with the manna. Take as much as you want. You use all whatever you use is good. The rest will rot. But they in the seventh year, here's what I think happened. It doesn't really say. I think that they saw you know the grapes on the vine, and, and the fruit in the trees, and the grain growing, and all these, and they said, "What a waste! We can just take all this extra, and we'll have so much extra, and we can put it in, we'll store it up, and it's it, it's all it's great." And they did that for a long time, and in the end, God needed to have them pay back the four hundred. Actually, ended up being four hundred ninety years, and that goes to a prophecy. But they disobeyed God. God gave them this length of time to get it right, and they got it wrong. But there's a principle of rest, and that rest will come in the future. We haven't yet attained it, but it's a promise that we can hang on to as we go out into the world and meet the things that we don't want to and all these fears and things going on in the world, you know, North Korea and all this. You know, we can worry and and fret and and nothing will change. Uh, But if we have uh, confidence in the promises of God, we know that there is a rest that uh, God has uh, planned for us. In in verse 11 and 12, it goes on to say, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. And, and I, we know by experience, I'm sure that you do, that the word of God, for instance, you read uh, a, a particular chapter and you read it and you read it again at different times in your life. And it seems to conform to whatever situation is affecting you. It seems to go right where you need, like uh, you know, perhaps a message at a Bible study or on Sunday, or perhaps you're listening to the radio, a sermon on the radio, or you're reading, and, and, you, you, and you're reading something you've read before, and it's like you never saw it before, because the Word of God comes and it meets you right where you are. But that can only happen if you're in the Word. So uh, the Word of God is powerful, like a two-edged sword. Uh, moving to uh, f- verse 14... It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And here again, uh, we need to hold firmly to the Word of God. We have a great high priest. Jesus is the high priest. You remember the rituals in the Old Testament they had to go through. Only the high priest could go into the Holy Holies on the Day of Atonement. And there were other uh, priests who would perform ministries in the outer courts. Uh, but that high priest, he had to be, he had, he had a ritual he had to go through to be washed and to be cleansed. Because if he didn't and he went in, he would, he would die. Because you cannot enter into God's presence with any sin at all. Even accidental sin. Something you weren't aware of. He had to be cleansed. And, and, and what I've heard, I don't know if this is anecdotal or true, but they would tie a rope to his foot in case he died so they could pull him out. But that's, it was very serious to enter into the Holy Holies here Jesus comes and Jesus becomes our high priest and in effect it says we actually are priests. We can enter, we can be in the presence of God and speak to him like he's our father because he is. And I think about that a lot when I'm praying and it says, who is God that he's mindful of me? Who am I that I should be able to speak to a holy God? And that's what Jesus did when He died on the cross. That that veil was torn. That meant that that physical holy of holies was 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 gone. It was done away with. We have a new holy of holies that we can enter into, and that's the very presence of God. And we have His permission. Uh, so we need to uh, take advantage of being in God's presence. And again, it says. Uh, He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Again, why did Jesus go all through that? Well, God knows all things. I'm not sure that He doesn't understand how we feel, but we can say for certain Jesus knows how we feel. And we pray and say, God, I'm really down. Here's how I'm feeling. You know, Jesus can say, I know. I understand. And we have that personal relationship with Him. Uh, In verse five, I mean, chapter five. Verse eleven. It says we have much to say about this, and he's going back. He's talking about. I'm just going to talk about Melchizedek a little bit because he is a type of Christ, and he's a very interesting character. And he's not actually not talked about much, but he's a type of Christ, and it's just interesting. It says we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Now, I hope we're not slow to learn. Sometimes we are. I know sometimes I am. I don't want to be. And what that means is are we, uh, when God tells us something or we're learning something, are we taking it in? Are we acting on it? Or does God have to tell us over and over and over again before we actually act on it? So don't be slow to learn. In fact, it says in verse 12, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. In other words, uh, you know, you, you know the story about you know taking milk, you know, and going on to foods. Paul talks about, um, uh, don't be content with just receiving the word of God. Uh, you have opportunities to go out into the world and, and meet with people. Be a teacher of the word. Don't always look to receive. Teach the word of God. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We should be growing in our relationship with God, growing closer and closer to Him, and you know, getting deeper in our relationship, knowing Him better, knowing Him closer calling on him all day long. We need to get close to God. Uh, In chapter 6, 620, it says, Where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In in chapter 7, it starts starts out, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God, most high. He met Abraham, returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without, uh, uh, Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, uh, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Now, it's interesting to me um, this Melchizedek person, because they in the commentaries they say is a type of Christ, but I, I, it seems to me like this is Jesus. This is the Angel of the Lord. This is Jesus physically uh, meeting with him in person, and that's how God did things in the Old Testament. This was a special event uh, to give encouragement. <laughs> Uh, to him, to Abraham. And again, there's not a lot about Melchizedek in the Bible, but the reason uh, this appeals to me is because, uh, uh, as I said, Jesus is now our high priest, and he meets us, and it talks about giving our gifts, whatever gifts we have, we need to give our gifts in alms uh, to him. And again, I'm not... I'm not trying to make a, a particular point. These are just verses that, uh, that I've highlighted in my Bible, and I just, I just, I, I just like them. Uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 26 says, it goes on to talk about the high priest. As such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of his people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. When you go back and, and look through the Levitical law, as rich always mentions that's usually where we stop reading through the bible it's very difficult the rituals they had to go through and just the sacrifices the number of animals and the number and the blood that had to be shed it was never sufficient it was always temporary Uh, it was never a lasting uh, covenant of of forgiveness for their sin it was just a covering Uh, you know when jesus came if you remember when he rose from the dead and he was approached, he said, don't touch me. I, I, he, has one, he had one more thing to do. He had to go to heaven, to the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies in heaven, and he had to place his blood on, on the, in that tabernacle. And that's his blood there uh, was what atoned for our sin uh, for all eternity, every sin, past, present, future. Where in the Old Testament, it was just an endless ritual which it had to be perplexing to the Jews to go through this day after day after day. And again, now Jesus has done it for all time for us uh, by the act uh, that he did for us as, high, as our high priest. And again, in, verse, in chapter 8, uh, verse 9... Um, it says, uh, It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. They turned away from God's every opportunity that he gave them to reach the promised land. Through the, war, through the wandering, uh, when Moses went up to receive the commandments and he came down and found them in rebellion, and they had to wander for 40 years. But even when they finally reached the promised land, and what happened, they sent spies in. Well, that, that, was, a, that was a custom that they would go in to see what the land was like. And they sent the spies in. And uh, when they came out, there were only two that said, we can do this. God will help us do that. All the others said, no, there are giants in the land. They're a beast. We can't do it. After wandering for all these years, they said, we can't do it. And they were right; they couldn't do it. But because they disobeyed and turned away in God's covenant, they were they were shut off. And that's how we ended up grafted in uh, to that. Uh, in nine fifteen, uh, it says, "For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance." Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And again, these these ritualistic uh, offerings that were made in the temple uh, were of no lasting value. They had to be done daily and yearly. But now Christ for all time, uh, our sins can be forgiven if we will come to Jesus, the Holy of Holies, to the high priest and ask forgiveness uh, through him. In 927, uh, it says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. You know, are we waiting for him? <laughs> Have you. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Are you waiting for him? Are you hoping that he doesn't come because you haven't quite been ready to make that commitment? Uh, But the Bible is clear. Uh, Man is appointed once to die and then the judgment. It is uh, a truth that we will face Jesus. In chapter 10, verse uh, 19... It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have great priests over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds here you know, this is a continuing sanctification process as i said when we come to know jesus there are some things that change quickly others that take time when you look at paul you know i think I, i'm not even as good as paul but yet paul saw himself to be a wicked sinner because the closer he got to God, the more sin is revealed and the more work that needs to be done. It's a constant process of sanctification, which will only be completed when, we, when Jesus gives us a new body. Um, but Jesus, And again, Jesus will eventually do the work. But we need to do the daily work. We need to be faithful in the word, in prayer, in fellowship, encouraging one another, as, as the Bible asks us to do. In chapter eleven, you know, uh, is the faith chapter. Uh, I'm not going to read that, but it's talking about what what believers, Old Testament, New Testament, what they've done uh, in faith. We can do nothing in ourselves, but we can do all things through faith, through Christ who strengthens us. We can do that in faith. It's it's God's strength that why we can do things. Um, and I just want to try to wrap up quickly here uh, verse uh, chapter 12 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw everything off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so, first of all, you know, people say, uh, you know, I, prove to me that, that, there, that there is a God. Well, there are, there are witnesses of God. The Christian church the persecuted church, especially past and, and the present, what's going on today—that is a witness of the truth of God. You remember back uh, in the old, in the New Testament, when they were uh, arguing about, uh, you know, Christians, and they said, "Look, if this, there's been others that have risen up, and people have followed them, and they have fallen by the wayside. Can we fight against God? If this is truly of God, we can't stop it. So, and, and so." Prove to me there's God that there's a God? Well, people that want proof that there is a God don't want any evidence that there's a God because it reveals their sin. And, and it says to them, it's like, you know, people don't people that may not feel well, they don't go to the doctors because they're afraid the doctor might tell them they're sick. And I've known several people like that, and it didn't end up too well. It's the same thing with our soul. If we say, Well, if I if I, if I acknowledge, if I, if I recognize that there's God, then I'll, I'll acknowledge I have sinned. But if I ignore it, then, then I can just say to God, well, I didn't know that I was a sinner. And, and, and that's how human beings rationalize our sin. We can uh, make light of it and hope that God will ignore it. But there's evidence and there's proof that, that Jesus exists and that uh, what he did and what he said is true. Uh, just a couple more. I just want to finish up uh, quickly. Uh, chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. And do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Uh, we need to keep on loving each other. It's not easy. We're not all lovable. I know. But uh, we need to love each other. It's, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. A, so we need to love each other. It's an act. And I could tell you examples of that. We don't have time, but uh, it it works. Love breeds love. Hate breeds hate. We know that. But love breeds love. And I just want to finish with... um, So they find... Oh, yeah, verse 20. I mean... 13, verse 20, yes. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so uh, I kind of stumbled through this a little bit um, because there's really so much there, and I wanted to get through it quickly. Um, but it's all about Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He died for us. And I don't know you. That's between you and God. But if we can encourage you, if you haven't made that decision, you need to find Jesus. You need to see Jesus. You need to know Jesus in your heart. And Jesus made it easy. It's not easy to put away our pride or to confess our sin, but Jesus made it easy. We don't have to sacrifice a bull or a a, a lamb, Mm -hmm. and we don't have to do all these good works to be saved. We just need to get on our knees, confess our sin, ask for God's forgiveness, and ask Jesus into our hearts. And if if that happens, we're forgiven. And to us, it gives a promise of hope and eternal life with him. So that would be my prayer for you, and uh, we'll just close in prayer right now. Uh, Father, we just thank you much, so much for Jesus and what he did for us. And, uh, Father, it's really hard for us to comprehend what a love he must have had for us, being unlovable and sinful. But, Jesus, you did it all. And uh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, which you give to us daily, Father. And we just pray for our fellowship here, Lord. We want to serve you individually, but also we want to join together collectively to serve our community and to support missionaries, and just to be faithful in all that you've called for us to do, teaching the word and telling others about Jesus. So we just pray, Father, that your spirit would move uh, over our fellowship here and help us to be faithful in all that you've called for us to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, Why don't we stand and we'll sing about Jesus.